For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor show on Five Reasons Sports Network. Also can be found on Nothing But Net. That's a channel on Dash Radio. We're there every day, Monday through Friday, every weekday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also check out FiveReasonSports.com. That's FiveReasonSports.com spelled out F-I-V-E for all of our latest columns, articles. Those are free, by the way. We don't charge like the local newspapers. Also, you can get all of our podcasts, Three Yards Per Carry, coming back in a week after a brief hiatus. Five Rings Canes has a big guest this week. Balls, Cast, Light, Skin, Opinions, Shula Bowl, and more. Also, you can get our YouTube channel there or directly on YouTube. Our Loaded Bases show restarting again for Marlins season and our 90-minute strong seat, uh, show starting as Inter still looks for its first win as an expansion franchise. Also check out all the great sponsors in the Five Reasons Sports Network, including one that we will admit is one of our favorites, Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official craft beer of Inter-Miami and the Miami Marlins, which is South Florida's actual independent brewery. Also happens to be the official beer now of Five Reasons Sports. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and support Five Reasons Sports so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff, whether it's Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. It's the beer we're drinking now, Five Reasons Sports. I got some in my fridge, on my bar, and I'm sure Alf is going to be asking me for some here pretty soon. So check it out, Biscayne Bay Brewing, and whenever we can again, we will be having watch parties at their new brew house, which is going to be down in downtown Miami. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. We're going to talk a little bit about the calls that the Heat had tonight. They were late tonight. We're coming to you on a Sunday night. Uh, Eric Spolstra, also Gabe Vincent and Myers Leonard. I think Myers is still going as we speak. That could go on for quite a good period of time. Also, one thing I should have mentioned, we've got new t-shirts, including our, <laughs> one of them is our drip shirt for Tyler Hero, which I've been teasing here for quite a while. Also, Bubble Dribble, if you're a fan of the video game, Double Dribble, you'll like that one. Um, you can get those through our website at fivereasonsports.com, but it actually takes you to a pop-up site. And those shirts for another 24 hours are just 14 bucks. So if you can get on there and you can get some discounted shirts, and these are limited edition shirts. They're not going to stay on as long as some of our others. All right, the floor plan today, I've got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. I've got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. Again, we're going to talk about these calls that the Heat had today. Uh, Eric Spolstra, Gabe Vincent, and Myers Leonard. Also want to talk a little bit about the NBA's decision 
not to allow Jimmy Butler to go nameless on the back of his jersey. We're going to get into the NBA's other decision, which is sort of end the awards race now before anybody plays any more games and how that affects some of the Heat players. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the Boston Celtics today because we spent a lot of time on floor George talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, but the Heat might have to go through Boston too if they want to get to the finals. We'll talk about what went wrong in those matchups. Um, Let's start here, guys. Alex, you just came off the call with Eric Spolstra. Anything specific that came to mind? Well, honestly, I thought something that kind of was talked about for a good amount of time with Spo was tinkering. And it was something that you mentioned in the call as well as a couple other reporters. And for some reason, that was just something that stuck out on this call. And I thought it was really interesting. It's something that we've talked about. And he mentioned specifically that he's, you know, he reads stuff, he listens to stuff and knows that people have been kind of saying that that's something that can really happen with a lot of teams is tinkering and adding stuff to the playbook or addressing weaknesses. But he feels like at the same time as wanting to address weaknesses, you kind of got to get going right from the start because you don't have that much time to get acclimated with your team after not playing basketball for three and a half months or however long it's been. And I thought that was interesting because it falls into a lot of what we've been talking about, about, you know, kind of how they're going to address their weaknesses, specifically defense. And he talked about defense a lot. Greg, one of the things I asked him, my specific question, because I want to see if I got any reaction from him, because one of the things about these Zoom calls is that they can't really see us now, but we can see them. And so you can kind of see how the person responds to your question. So I asked Eric about whether or not you can believe everything that you're hearing from other teams now that there may be a lot more disinformation being thrown out there. And I mentioned specifically, well, we've been hearing that Ben Simmons might play the four for Philadelphia. So I wanted to see if there was any reaction to that. There really wasn't. But I can tell you that Eric is one of these people that follows everything that goes on in the league. Um, Sometimes I remember when I was covering other teams, he would kind of pull me aside when I came back from those trips to ask what I saw or what the guys were talking about. So he does follow the rest of the league. Um, I I guess we'll start here. How, How much do you think we can believe what other teams are saying now. Well, I mean, I think that there's obviously going to be some gamesmanship, but um, there's certain things like Ben Simmons at the four. There's been a lot of people that have been proponents of that. So when you see examples of that kind of stuff and those shifts happening, I think that maybe some of that we can buy into, but there's inevitably going to be guys that we're not talking about that become factors in playoff series, particularly, um, and I think that that's one unique advantage that uh, Spo has with this roster. We've always talked about how we we wanted him to get to a point where he had his roster. And with so many interchangeable pieces and parts, I think that he's going to have the unique ability to tinker a little bit. But everybody, because they kind of seamlessly fit into these same roles because you have so many interchangeable parts, you're going to be able to – um, plug and play guys and, and people get a l- little bit more comfortable. You have a lot of guys that are comfortable getting minutes um, and spot starting and stuff like that. So I just think that when you don't have like a clearly defined seven guys that you know are going to absolutely play and it, the, the rotation extends out a bit, that, that um, it allows him to tinker, but safely tinker. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny because um, Myers Leonard, right, is, when I got off that call, Alex was talking about that, about how – and he didn't even mention himself, but he mentioned a lineup that got thrown out there that could basically switch everything. Um, I guess it was Bam, Jimmy, 
what Jay, Andre, and DJ J. Yep. Derek, yeah. So I mean, he, they're already thinking in those terms. I mean, you know, Eric hasn't wanted to give away specifics, and of course, you know, as far as we know, now I had heard. Just uh, let's clear this out right now. Um, I had heard Bam would be there by tonight. Uh, there was no real question or answer to that on the call today. Well, but, well, either I think you missed something on social media. Oh, uh, what was that? There was a picture that the Heat, I think, tweeted out uh, that it was. It basically said, "Oh, we weren't without Bam on, on on his birthday," and that made me think, "Oh, he's there." But then I look at the picture, and it's like his huge cut off of Bam. Yeah. yeah, right, right, and that and his birthday. So he, apparently, he's not there. Okay, so he's not there, and because and that was the other thing. I mean, everybody's tweeting their tributes to Bam. Um, like even Gabe Vincent had something on his social media. Don't forget thought, Donovan Mitchell and Bradley Beal. Well, they all are, of course. We're going to talk about that too. <laughs> uh, but every everybody's been tweeting out their their things, so we, we kind of got thrown off. That's not the reason I heard he was going to be there tonight. I, I've heard independently he would be there by tonight. But then there was this additional social media stuff that made us think it actually happened. Um, before we get back to the sort of Spolstra, Vincent, and Leonard's calls tonight, I mean, Greg, you're hearing the same thing as me, right? They're supposed to be complete by Tuesday. That's, that's what I've pretty yeah. much been told by everybody. Before, when we went into the weekend, all indications were that um, it would be at the latest Tuesday. So that's why, um, to, to be honest, that I was a little surprised that we didn't hear or see or um, catch somebody maybe slipping up in a comment that Bam maybe had arrived. Um, I don't know, maybe he wanted to spend his birthday outside of the bubble. Um, I don't know. I'm speculating there, but I, I expect them to be whole by Tuesday. Uh, I wouldn't expect everybody to be a go for the scrimmage, you know, like I think that that's right. a totally different conversation, but, but all indications were that by Tuesday we would see um, everybody in the bubble. And, and that's the other thing that Spolcher said today. I asked him about the prep for the bubble, for the scrimmage. He said that he's talked to Luke Walton about some things. He said, everybody available will likely play. So, I don't believe that we're going to consider none and Bam to be available. I think we'll probably see the other 15 all get run. And he, he also said that he's had to kind of talk to his coaches to calm him down a little bit about some of the things that he wants to try in this particular scrimmage. So uh, this is spoke kind of fighting his mad scientist self. Uh, but, but let's get to a couple of the other comments that were made Ethan, tonight. Yes. Can I kind of add a couple things to that? Because Myers Leonard kind of went in on that whole thing on, you know, the, the, uh, theory of their versatility and how they're theoretically very versatile. They can kind of, you know, address any type of skill or, you know, whatever is needed during a game. And I think that's something important because like I was listening to something today and what made me, you know, they were kind of talking about the Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, and, you know, which team from those stands out and something important that I think applies here is that the Clippers have so much depth that they can kind of play any style against another team and match up versus whatever style and do a really good job, which kind of makes them the standout. And I think the Heat have some of that as well, where, you know, they have a lot of guys who maybe aren't great defenders, but they do have a lot of different lineups they can play to address different styles. And I think that's kind of something we haven't really talked about too much uh, as far as playoff matchups, where, you know, as a playoff matchup goes along, you can kind of change and tinker as Paul was, as saying, was saying right now. And I think that's kind of going to be something to watch out for. Yeah, and I think that is kind of the point of the trades they made was to give them you know, I think one of the things that we we talked about all year was their depth, right? They had all this depth. And then 
you know, Justice wasn't playing. Dion was unplayable. JJ was somebody they didn't want to play. And so In then some you people's start, eyes. Yeah. Then you started, to, <laughs> right. You started to look up and you were like, they don't have eight playable guys right now. I mean, they were, they had some games. I mean, those back to backs where I mean, he was pushing guys 35, 37, 38 minutes that he should not have been pushing that much. I, I think the one in particular was Dragic that just was playing way more than he was supposed to be playing because they didn't have enough healthy bodies. And then they lost Goron. You know, and at one point they, they didn't have Winslow and they didn't have Goron. They didn't really have a point guard. And then Jimmy was having to handle all that. And they didn't want that either. The point of the trade was to deepen them by at least two. I mean, I don't think they're anticipating a lot from Solomon Hill. I don't know what they're anticipating from Gabe Vincent or Casey Akpala now, but they, they were trying to deepen the rotation and, and give themselves more flexibility. I mean, we've talked about this mixing and matching a lot, you know, and not, you know, all the lineups they can play, but the idea that you can be very defensive if you want to be, you can be very shooter heavy if you want to be. Big um, or small. Big or small. I mean, I think the only, you know, the, to me, the only other team in the East that, and I, I know Milwaukee, but again, Milwaukee has some very specialized role players. To me, Milwaukee the one thing, is kind of the opposite of, of what we're talking about because Brooke Lopez can't play any other positions. And, you know, Bledsoe is one of their best players, but we know he struggles in the playoffs. So they're kind of going to end up probably going to more traditional looks besides when they run Giannis at the center, which is probably their most dangerous version of themselves. But other than, than Giannis's versatility, the Bucks are very, very traditional. Yeah, but I think – so what I was going to say was I think the one team that's not uh, is Toronto. I think Toronto is the one team that can play in a very flexible way, kind of like the Heat in the Eastern Conference. But they're really the only ones that strike me that way. I I don't really view Boston that way. I definitely don't view Philly that way. I mean, they're kind of – I mean, regardless of how they're going to use Simmons, I mean – Simmons and Embiid are going to play. Richardson is going to be on the court at the end of games. Tobias is going to be on the court at the end of games. I mean, you know those four. There's not a ton of flexibility built into that. The Heat, the Heat in Toronto have the most flexible rosters, and I think in a lot of ways have the best protection set up for certain guys going down with hamstring injuries or having other kinds of issues because of their depth and their versatility, which is a, a tribute to their – development programs really i mean I, I think because a lot of the guys we're talking about are guys that were not highly drafted yeah well and also i think to your point because you said you know i think it was a, a few, three episodes ago that you thought kz could get minutes here and i think that that's it's an interesting thing when you open up the entire roster and you think about in these eight games and in these scrimmages that spoke could potentially be comfortable enough to plug in a gabe vincent or plug in a kz um and, and or you know even guys like Kelly Olynyk that have been up and down from a minutes perspective, I feel like um, every Heat fan would probably uh, feel comfortable all of a sudden if you had to have Kelly Olynyk start a game here or there. So like, there's a lot of examples like that. And Jay Crowder and, and Andre Iguodala, obviously you did Solomon Hill. Yeah, I mean that, that that obviously probably would be the least ideal of the options. But but you're right. I mean that's another guy that they could plug and play. Um, and and that's something that. Uh, that it, you're going to see them experiment early, but as Spo alluded to, I think that they're going to have to figure out who they trust quickly. And, um, you know, the, the other thing that I saw, Ethan, that you tweeted was um, regarding Gorin and being really ready to roll. And I think this, this all reinforces that he's going to have a really huge part in uh, what transpires for the Heat. 
Well, he is, and I want to get to that next, actually, and then I want to get to Jimmy's stuff, the award stuff, and then we'll talk about the Celtics. Watch out for Gabe Vincent, by the way. He, he, well, j- j- just well, look, they, they have made him a little bit more. a little bit, right? Kendrick Nunn's not out there. Well, but that's what I want to get to with Goron, because I, I feel like what's happened here with Kendrick kind of losing a week, week and a half, and and I, I always feel we need to address this, because we always get a couple on social media, like we don't talk about Kendrick enough. I, we are planning on talking about Kendrick more. I think part of it is he, we know he's not out there right now. And, and I do think that there is uh, – I've repeatedly said that before, you know, he was diagnosed with corona, I repeatedly said that I thought Kendrick could be a huge upside surprise for the Heat during this kind of situation just because of the way he's handled some of these things before. And he got a bunch of time to rest his body after playing no more than he played before. And no playoff crowd, all that stuff. But I also think that now, you know, one of the other things I've said is that, you know, there's a chance that, that – Eric's going to trust Goron the most because he's done it in these kind of situations. And Eric even mentioned international play tonight, which is something I've mentioned a lot. I, I, I think that there is a trust for Goron handling these kind of weird adverse circumstances because international play is very erratic. You have to deal with a bunch of stuff you're not used to playing with. You play in front of, I mean, you talk about playing in front of no crowds. He's played in front of no crowds. He's played in front of crazy crowds. He's played in all kinds of circumstances. You just have to learn how to focus and ball, basically. And so I felt that, that Eric was going to put more of a burden on Goran's back, um, not with minutes necessarily, but maybe with some starting assignments, maybe with the clutch time. And Eric made it seem tonight like he's leaning that way. I mean, <laughs> you know, part of it was because he was asked about Goran specifically, but he said he's ready to roll. We don't have to hold him back like we did in September. I... I don't know. You said, was it you who said on Floor Yours, Greg, that you thought he was going to be their MVP of this tournament? Or this? Yeah. This, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, Jimmy and Bam, they're such easy answers. So that's the low hanging fruit when it comes to the MVP of the bubble kind of conversations for the Heat. But Goran, for all the reasons you mentioned, and like there's even the part of it, and I don't really think he thinks about this as much, but maybe um, it, it has to factor in somewhere. I mean, he's playing for a contract and, and mm-hmm. this like very concise period where he can put his imprint on the league and executives and talent evaluators throughout the league. I just think it's like the perfect storm for him to, as a veteran, go in there, get a lot of minutes. Um, Jimmy trusts him. I mean, Jimmy loves having Goran out on the floor with him. Um, so I, I think that it's all going to just kind of plug and play in, in a good way for, for Dragic going in. Yeah, no, I, I think that's where this is headed. All right, let's get to a couple of the other topics, and then I want to get to Boston tonight. Uh, first one is the NBA's decision not to allow – Tim Reynolds reported this first um, – not to allow Jimmy Butler – to go nameless on the back of his jersey. If you weren't familiar, this is how Jimmy basically decided to make a statement, which was by not using his name at all, to essentially say he was no different than anybody else. And again, the point is, if he wasn't a professional athlete, uh, that he might be subject to some of the things that you know other African-Americans in this country uh, have dealt with, uh, specifically when it comes to the police and, and things along those lines. Um, we've talked, we talked on... One of these episodes, and I'm sure we're probably going to get into it with Stan Van Gundy when we talk to him tomorrow about the NBA's decision to kind of limit the phrases. I didn't think they would force Jimmy to put a name on there. Um, well, how do we well, feel guess about what? that? Um, Vincent Goodwill, uh, you know, of Yahoo Sports reported, um, this was two hours ago, contrary to reports, Jimmy Butler's jersey request is still under review and has not been denied. 
Butler okay. wants to leave mm. his nameplate on his jersey blank. Over 30 players have requested a blank nameplate on their jersey. I oh. guess that Jimmy kind of sparked the this idea. So I, I think that that may um, turn the tides a little bit if that many guys are, are following suit here. Well, I wonder which way it turns the tide. The first thing, Vinny has a pretty good tie-in to, to Jimmy's camp. So I'm, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with that being accurate. Um, but I, I guess – which way would it turn the tide? I wonder if the NBA would be more sort of pushed to allow it now, or they don't want 30, 40, 50 players running around without names on the back of their jerseys, and, and maybe they're less inclined. I, I don't know which direction that's actually going to drive them. I mean, it yeah. just seems like such an easy, like, first of all, they've already, t- I mean, I don't know how serious they take it, but they've obviously taken a little bit of heat for, you know, people kind of saying that, the the name thing by itself isn't really enough and they were that was kind of a sentiment that was being shared by the heat on that zoom call and i think jimmy kind of said something similar where uh, they obviously got to do more than just the name stuff and so i think this just kind of having a blank name is something that the nba can afford to let them have especially if you're talking right. about 30 guys i right? know we're like you're just gonna upset all these guys especially but like in the circumstances that they're in where they have to be away from their families they have to sacrifice everything by coming out here to play so that they can, you know, make their money and provide for their families who, again, they're without. I think this is something they can definitely accommodate. Yeah. Well, and the other part of it is um, that, you know, like Russell Westbrook is turning around and doing shooting shirts with additional phrases that, he, that mm-hmm. I guess players were interested in having. So that I think that the kind of the limits and the, and the guardrails that were put around the phrases that could go on the, on the jerseys um, has kind of, put a damper on maybe what could have been a bigger statement. So I feel like Most if you do get a subset of guys on. that want to go nameless, like, and they have a good reason behind it, it's not just something where they're not articulating why they want to do it and why it makes sense. I don't understand why they wouldn't accommodate those guys. I also wonder, um, you know, we see today, and we have to look in the context of other leagues too, because the NBA is paying attention to that. And the NFL today was a bleep show. I mean, just, it's, it's just embarrassing. Um, They've had months and months and months. They're known for not really caring about their players. And you had, like, not like guys in the back end of the roster, not like the long snapper and the kicker. You had Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. So these are guys on opposite ends of the social justice spectrum. J.J. Watt, uh, I mean, it was like big-name guy after big-name. I mean, and again, NFL players are not as recognizable typically as NBA players. And every name you've ever heard of was out there today challenging the NFL on their testing policy, on the, their transparency primarily. I mean, J.J. Watt had like an, an iPhone notes file that he posted up on social media. And J.J. Watt is the one guy in the league they do not want to F with for a lot of reasons, okay? I mean, A, he's the probably the most prominent non quarterback white star in the league probably and like he's out there and he's been very vocal on social justice issues too I think in a way that would surprise NFL fans and he was out there today basically saying this is what we want this is what we've asked for the NFL looks terrible right now like there's some players are supposed to be reporting in 48 hours the rookies and they don't know what the they don't know anything they don't know how many preseason games they're playing they don't know anything the NBA has tried to come off as the more, uh, you know, supportive league. They know what's going on in the NFL right now. 
and I don't think the NBA wants to lose its reputation as being the more supportive league, that is what would lead me to think that they'll bend. Um, yeah. I mean, stand in solidarity with your players. Come on. It, it, it's, this is such a, like a, like also like in the grand scheme of things, if this is the statement that they want to make, like it, it's not that, why do we need to like stick to the letter of the law where they can only put their names in certain phrases? I feel like obviously you don't want to open up Pandora's box and let it be incoherent statements on the back of jerseys, but that's not what they're doing here. So I feel like they need to definitely, um, support these guys well what do you think do we think it might have something to do with sponsors being on jerseys and not on t-shirts i mean yeah but it's just me you know it's kind of thinking through it no no it it could be but i looked at some of the phrases and i really don't understand like why they allowed certain ones but others they didn't like there are certain phrases they allowed that i was surprised they allowed i wonder if they focus tested but it's just it's but it's just a weird deal i mean what what do you think i mean i don't want to get uh, on a big political tangent tonight but like what do you uh, the heat in particular i think their approach has been interesting because eric spolster started his call tonight his zoom call tonight um by eulogizing john lewis which is something the president didn't do um and and look i know where eric stands politically Okay. Um, so I, you know, I kind of know, I mean, he's not as out there as Stan <laughs> or, or Kerr or Popovich, but I know where yes. he stands, but I know where he stands politically, but he's, nobody is as out there as those three. Yeah. Um, but, but I just think that uh, I think the, the heat's approach, which has been this pro voting approach is interesting because that is put in the context of voting out incumbents. So even though we might want to say like, that the Heat haven't taken a political side. They have. They have. They've made a calculation to take the political side of the majority of their fan base, um, which we know is different from the Dolphin NFL fan base. I'm just curious what you've thought of it. I mean, they've been using the hashtag Black Lives Matter, you know, in in many Facebook, Instagram, Twitter posts. And uh, unfortunately, there's a, a faction of, uh, you know, the opposing side here that is in direct conflict with that entire movement and all of the spirit behind it. So I think just by virtue of of putting that in some of the communication, it, it draws a line in the sand politically. Um, and I know we don't want to go down this road too far, but I think that that ultimately, um, it's a shame that it's came to that, that that would be such a dividing factor, but it, it is. And um, but I, so I think that they're on the right side of, the, of history. Well, I think also we all telling are on the right side of history, but but their but their fan base is different, though, Greg. Like, I don't think they're taking the chance that the Dolphins would be taking, for instance. Like, the Dolphins, if the Dolphins are going to promote Black Lives Matter, even though they have a a black head coach, a black general manager, a black assistant to the general manager, a black advisor to the general manager. Okay, I mean, you know, I mean, Steve Ross has has hired in a very diverse way. Okay, Uh, so whatever we think of Steve Ross's politics and his support for the president, there's no question that he's diversified uh, his team. Okay, in a way that probably 31 other NFL teams have not. But they can't be as out there as the Heat because the Heat's audience is different. It's different. Like it's majority going to agree with them. But I also think that it's players, the organization's players are in support of it it's a way to win favor with your players. I'm not saying they're not doing it from a genuine perspective, okay? But I also know there are conservatives inside the Heat organization, right? Uh, but it feels like the whole organization has gone totally 
to that end. And I'm a little bit surprised. Okay. Well, yeah, Ple- cause, pleasantly, cause but I'm issue, a little bit surprised. This issue should transcend politics. And, and unfortunately that's like the sticking point that it's not transcending politics. Cause we're talking about human beings. So it's a pretty like uh, cut and dry conversation. And it's just unfortunate that it's so politicized and so charged that way. Um, so like it, it, it's not surprising as much because like I wouldn't necessarily Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts. Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition in the U S more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this, let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. We have to say that every conservative in the Miami Heat organization wouldn't want to support Black Lives Matter, but um, it, it, there's so much of that right now that, that you're right, that, that it's good to see that they're, that they're getting behind the movement the way that they are. The whole mask thing, by the way, that's also become politicized. They've definitely been encouraging mask wearing, yes. at least a little bit. No, they have, and every, well, they've been big time behind it. But all the teams, you know, got behind that initiative. All the teams in Florida, at a time that the governor is not mandating it. I, it's, I just find it. I find it. I know we've seen a sea change. I know with what's happened with the, you know, the Washington racial slurs and everything else that's gone on. Like, there's definitely been a sea change, and and the Heat is typically a progressive organization. But as we know, I mean, the team president is not a progressive. Okay, I mean he. He flipped his registration, <laughs> uh, you know, which was a surprise. But, like, he's not a progressive. There are others in the organization are. And I, I'm just – I'll just say I've been pleasantly surprised that they've gone that direction as far as they have. Uh, I knew they would a little bit. Um, and I knew also, Eric Ethan, would. Yes. Go, go ahead. Finish your point. No, but I knew Eric would. But I, I, I just – I'm – you know, and he is, he is sort of the day-to-day face of the organization. But I, I just didn't – I didn't know that they would make it such a marketing thing – like they have, they've basically taken a side and Greg, I agree with you. There shouldn't be a side to take when it comes to racial, you know, equality. And there shouldn't be a side that, to take when it comes to mask wearing, but they've taken, you know, there is unfortunately, and they've taken the right side and they've been very overt about it. So. What'd you Just have, like, Alex? You sounded like you had, you were chopping. <laughs> yeah, something. To Sorry, in. I, I stopped so you could go. <laughs> no, cause Ethan, then you said lay. So I thought you were going no. to leave there. Just go ahead. I lost my train of thought already. Right, he lost his train of thought. <laughs> right, let's let's get to the next thing. This this is somewhat. Political. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold yes. on, hold on. I, right as remember. I moved on. All right, go ahead. There we go. Okay, no, but it's actually something that you've mentioned a bunch of times. Is the whole thing that happened with Mickey Harrison and Carnival Cruise? You know, to piggyback off what you were talking about just now, and I wonder if also just doing some thought exercises, if part of the whole, you know, how how aggressive they've been with Black Lives Matter, and and as you said, I'm sure they are genuine with it. I I'm not doubting that at all. As at least in part to do with the fact that Mickey got his bailout already and it doesn't need to kind of uh, he's not doing the waiting game. Right. He, he doesn't need to worry. About well, he would tell you anymore. they didn't get it. He would he would tell you they didn't get a bailout. This is going to be a sticking point. I mean, I, I know did, did the cruise industry not get a bailout. They in, in, in they, April they, or whatever. Uh, well, there there was help, but it, it's not technically it wasn't as much as they wanted no it's just not technically a bail i mean there's a conversation probably for another podcast another time but they i'm sure if we characterize it as the cruise industry getting a bailout that 
there'll be pushback on that. I, I can, I can tell you that we know obviously, and I've talked about this on five on the floor many times, you know, we know what's happened to carnival stock price. Um, I mean, I've wrote it back and forth a couple times, just trading it uh, because it went down 70, what, 75 something percent. And the Saudis bought a piece. I think they bought like 8% of the company uh, at a very depressed price. And then, you know, it rode back up a little bit and then it kind of went down again. I, I know that, you know, I have, I have friends who are carnival executives who've been, you know, laid off in the past two months. I mean, what's hit the cruise industry is very real. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I think, again, you know, politically, um, you know, the Heat are known as a more progressive organization, but there are certain games that you need to play uh, with, with politicians exactly. of, both, of both stripes. And, and, you know, the Heat owner has played them. I mean, he's donated to both parties over the years. Uh, you know, there are certain things you do. It's not as overt as Steve Ross's relationship, you know, obviously holding fundraisers for Donald Trump. But you know there there have there has been a relationship there over the years. So and I don't want to I don't want to go too far off in this direction. I just I've found it interesting, and I find Eric to be relentless in a good way on this topic, and I'm just pleased that he's not stopping, uh, that he's he's making it a focus. I mean, today he would not let us ask a basketball question until he talked about John Lewis for a minute. I mean, that was it, the right thing it, to do. He put yep. it so succinctly when he said, oh, you know, you see something wrong, something unjust, you got to do something about it. And I think that's really what this all comes down to. Yeah. And I, and I think, like I said, with Eric, it's genuine. It is completely genuine. I've had conversations with him in, in these areas. But I also think it is the kind of thing that your, your black players notice um, that you have their backs, essentially. And, and I think that that's a perception that the black players have come through the Heat organization have felt about their head coach. And, and I, I think that's a good thing. But anyway, um, let's get to the next thing here. And then, uh, and then we're going to talk about Boston a little bit. The, the NBA's decision to end any consideration for award voting now. In other words, not after the last eight games of the season uh, are played, but just cut it off now. But yet they're going to include the last eight games of the regular season when it comes to season leaders and statistics. Can someone make sense of this for me? Absolutely not. There's no sense to be made of any of that. You know, like ultimately, I think it's probably a good idea to just base the awards on the games that have already been played and don't use this eight game sample size added to it for for the sheer fact of that we have um, a sports media and fan um prisoner of the moment situation that will go on. And if you add a Dame Lillard um, average 57 points over the course of um, an you eight got, you game stretch, all of a sudden he's getting an MVP, you know, like that, that or not, not maybe not MVP, but um, you get, get catch my drift. So I, I kind of feel like using the, the first part of the season is the right thing to do, but it is bizarre when you're going to start to then factor in the statistical components of the last eight games, because Obviously, that's going to look different on you know the stat sheet versus the awards. But from a Heat perspective, I think it's a, a really good thing because to me, it kind of locks Bam into that most improved player spot. And yep. I think that that was a, a really important thing. Um, we've all talked about the leap and no ceiling and, and this and that. And, and this will validate a lot of that. And, and there's only more leaps to be taken. 
Um, and then, you know, there's also the defensive player stuff. I think Bam has the opportunity to make an all defensive team now, uh, Jimmy as well. Um, so, so all good things there. I'd love to see Gorn get some six man votes, but, um, but there, you know, there could be a couple guys ahead of him there, but ultimately I think, I think it's good for the heat. I think so. I, I think, um, you know, Myers Leonard said tonight, maybe uh, if we have some time tonight, you can throw that sound on here at some time before the end of the episode, Alex. But, you know, Myers basically was asked about most improved player and said it's Bam. You know, we saw him evolve into a star before our eyes. He didn't mean to disparage superstar, Duncan. Superstar, by the way. A superstar. But he's, he's, <laughs> he's made that case repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, of course, when I asked Bam who MIP was, he said Duncan. Yes, Duncan, he says Bam. I, I make the case. Myers addressed Bam. that, by the way. He did. Okay. What but was yeah, his view he, on it? He was basically saying that Duncan is right up there and that he feels like there's actually a lot of good candidates, but that Bam is the one that's kind of had the, uh, the biggest leap as far as individual as well as kind of his impact for winning on a team where Bam is kind of him and Jimmy are the centerpieces. So I think he kind of weighed that a little bit more. And I thought it was interesting, by the way, what Leif said, because that does lock in Bam a little bit more since – you take out the, you know, these last games, that means the Pelicans are out of the playoffs and by three and a half, four games. And I think winning is something that kind of comes into a, a, as a factor when, when he's awards. And if you're kind of doing tiebreakers between, let's say, Ingram, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Ingram and, and Bam, that might be a big one. So I think Leif has a pretty good point there. You know what I also think? I, I think the NBA did not want to put itself in a position of the wrong guy getting an award because of hype. Um, I know that's rookie of the year. Well, I think with both, I think with rookie of the year or with MVP. So in other words, you know, you were getting this hype train for Zion for rookie of the year over Morant, even though he didn't play enough games and you're getting this hype train for LeBron for MVP over Giannis, even though there really is no case to be made for LeBron and I'm a LeBron stand. There's no case to be made. Okay. I, I love our guys over at clutch NBA at five uh, R, but when they He's put number LeBron, two, He's a they nice put number, Le- very fine. Good he's not. Two. He's number two, but I mean, he, he's not even leading his team in most categories. All right, and I'm. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not number two, but there's no case to be made for him over Giannis this year. There's just not. I mean, just just because he's older, like you don't. It's you don't get a crutch because of that. Like it's 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 terrific, and he's he absolutely deserves consideration, but he does not deserve to win. But it's almost like the NBA sort of saw where this was going. <laughs> and doesn't want the embarrassment of that, whether it's LeBron or of Zion, and just decided to end it. I think the other thing is, if the awards voting is over, Kendrick Nunn's probably going to finish third in Rookie of the Year voting, right? Most likely? I mean, probably yeah. Morant, Zion, and Kendrick? I mean, I, I would think, right? I mean, there's no... Yeah. It might, there's, the only one that might they might put over him is RJ. Just I mean, RJ Barrett from the Knicks, just because, you know, he kind of has a lot of that as well. He had some... Uh, big per game numbers and you know, a lot of the hype was known as the best player before they played in college. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up coming out third, but I think that's another good point though. None might actually finish top three there. He'll be finished top three. I mean, the heat have not had a lot of guys um, finish top three in rookie of the year voting. I they mean, might have I, two guys in the top five. They, they might. Yeah, they, they will. I think, yeah, no, I think they will. I, I I'll, I'll be interested to see too, if some voters, don't really pay attention to the fact that none was better than hero this year and put hero ahead of him uh, just because there's more hype there. 
which uh, will be really funny because of the injury the hero you know sustained and he missed games so um right. but you're right cuz i mean obviously like um and this goes back to the point that that the one of our listeners made about how come we don't talk about Kendrick Nunn as much and it's definitely made us look inward i think and thought think about like why don't we talk about him as much um and it it ties back to the bucket bros hero um all of the stuff that we've seen from him the flashy late game heroics and stuff like that so it is an interesting dynamic but i think ultimately um the more that you're getting um informed voting uh that none will end up you know probably slotting in there at three you would think so i mean we'll we'll, we'll see how it plays out but I, I do think the decision to count the stats but not for awards is uh, you know, I know the NBA is making a lot of this stuff up as they go along, but that one didn't make a lot of sense. All right, we're going to talk Boston and the Heat here in a second. Before we do, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's Louis Peters State Farm Agent. This is an agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the entire United States. More than 60 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. These are local agents that understand South Florida's unique market. They've got access 24-7 by calling in or clicking in. The phone number is 305-275-5585. That's 305-275-5585 or louispeters.com. That's L-U-I-S, peters.com. He joined us in the podcast. He's a big, 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 big Heat fan and Dolphin fan. They offer personalized service tailored to every single customer. There are no cookie-cutter solutions in insurance. He just worked on something for me. Uh, to try to help me out. You definitely should check them out. LouisPeters.com. And also, um, in addition to their office in Miami, uh, you can find them on Twitter too, at SFAgentPeters. And again, LouisPeters.com. All right, let's get to it, Leif. While, while uh, Alex and I were waiting for what seemed like forever for these uh, for heat practice to end and the Zoom calls to start, you were breaking down the Boston Celtics because we devote an entire like half episode of Floor's Yours on Thursday night to the Bucks, but it's actually the Celtics that gave the Heat more trouble this season. Um, they did. Wh- why? You, you know, it's it's a two game sample, so I think we all need to keep that perspective and. Uh, Jason Tatum missed one of those games. They were both prior to the deadline. So, um, so all that context needs to be uh, remembered. But the Celtics won both games. Um, as I look back on, on December 4th, Jimmy Butler had 37 in Boston. So, um, you know, J- Jimmy was r- really productive against Boston overall, average 28.5, uh, 53% field goal shooting. That's crazy. Um, th- they were a top five defense. Well, well, yeah, and I'm going to get into some of that in a minute, but uh, the guy that jumped off the page for me, and, and I didn't watch a lot of tape, to be honest with you guys, because I can't watch a lot of Celtics basketball. Like, that's just not for me. <laughs> but um, I, I did catch, you know, Jalen Brown was a monster. He averaged 28 a game in the two games. He had 31 and 25, 53% from three. So I think, like, when you look at that team, We've thought about Kemba Walker and his speed and, and how you're going to stay in front of him. And obviously, Jay, Jason Tatum is a really, you know, unbelievable offensive player the way that he's growing. But Jalen Brown has been a really uh, a huge factor. So that was something that jumped off the page. Um, the two other numbers, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts here. One was in the two games, Jimmy and Bam together were a minus 40. Um, did not expect to see that. And then the last thing was this, um, the heat, uh, for the season, were shooting 38% from the three point line against the Celtics. They only shot 31% from three 
And uh, the Celtics, you know, they're shooting 36%. Uh, they were all the way up at 38%. So it kind of like flip-flopped on the heat a little bit. And I think that that's going to be a recipe where they're going to need these wings that they've brought in and this infusion of Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala, um, maybe not as much Solomon Hill, but definitely those two guys. If there was ever a matchup that, that the players that they brought in were going to be most useful against, I think Boston is the team. I, I think when you, it's funny because you mentioned Brown and, and he did stand out. Um, the guy who popped off the page to me was Hayward because he looked so different. Yeah, and especially that game in January, 29. I think he had yeah. 29 points or something. Well, I think we've kind of forgotten what he can be. And I, what, I, what I just keep remembering from the end of that game was, you know, Duncan Robinson picking up fouls. It seemed like he picked up 30 fouls at the end of the game trying to guard him. Um, I think the, the problem with Boston, Alex, and we've talked about it a lot, is that we can talk about the wings that they brought in, you know, bringing in Crowder, obviously for physicality, bringing in Iguodala for his smarts and, you know, the various guys that he's guarded over the years, um, having DJJ and all that. But the problem with all of it is that none of the Heat's wings like that, with the exception of Jimmy, if he's on, are as multifaceted as as the Celtics wings. So it's like you're taking, if you're going to try to guard them, with your best defensive wings, you're going to struggle to push them on the other end of the floor. Um, and, and I wonder if that's why Bam and Jimmy had trouble because it was just, it's tough to surround Bam and Jimmy with enough shooting against the Celtics because your shooters can't guard their wings. Um, so I think that's where you may get into trouble against them. I think that's a really good point. That's probably a very good way of summing up the defensive issues, right? The thing is with the Celtics is they specifically for the Heat, they cause just so many problems because of how many weapons they have in that starting lineup. And I think let's not also discount Daniel Tice, who I definitely made jokes about them kind of downgrading from Horford to him as their starting center, but he has been great for them as a as a role player. And part of their playbook is him sealing down on the they kind of setting a screen first for a guy like Tatum or someone else who's going to drive to the rim and then sealing once they actually get to the paint sealing off the defender so that the person has a open runway to the rim and it's kind of paramount to their whole playbook and how they get these guys open because he's the one doing most of the screening he's a huge body so that's something that we've seen the heat point guards struggle a lot with and then on top of that like uh like you guys mentioned Hayward and Jalen Brown who are probably the third and fourth best players were guys who had absolute standout, crazy superstar games versus the Heat because of the fact that they have so many bad defenders, especially, you know, they have Myers, Duncan, and Nunn in the starting lineup who all, you know, the starting lineup is great overall, including on defense, but versus the Celtics, it just would not be great. So I think Iguodala and Crowder are just going to have to be huge versus those guys, like Leif said, because they're they, the perimeter is kind of their weakness right now. And I think the Celtics can abuse that in so many different ways. And those guys are going to have to be the keys. You know, um, Tice averaged 10 and a half rebounds in those, in, in those two games. And, and when you think about teams that are going to out-rebound and out-muscle the Heat, you don't think of Boston, right? And, and I think that this would be one of the few series where the Heat would size down and they put Bam at the five a lot. And um, I, I think an interesting element of that would be 
Do you think that, that the way this series would go, if you had Hayward and Jalen Brown firing on all cylinders and then you have Tatum to deal with, I mean, inevitably you're going to have to try out a bio on one of those big wings. And, yes. um, and, and that's where this starts to get interesting because I do think that there's a potential that you could unlock further things with Bam on the oh, yeah. defensive side um, in these matchups because, I mean, who more useful than him to try to, uh, to slow down some of these guys? If, let's just say right now, do we agree that Bam might be the best option to check Jason Tatum? Maybe not all game. We know that you don't mm-hmm. want to kind of get him in foul trouble. You don't want to get him too tired, especially if, like, uh, he's going to have to be uh, dealing with Tice, who's really big and physical on the other side uh, at the other times. But Tate, Bam on Tatum, that's – I feel like that's a card Spo has to use. But he won't use it all the time. I, I think that that's – I think what we've hit on here um, – that's problematic for for Miami again is is the two-way nature of Boston's players versus the one-way nature of the Heat's players and the other thing I think that's going to be problematic is that Gordon Hayward is essentially almost another season towards recovery now like we always talk about how it takes two years well it's now two years (laughs) um you know to bolster what you're talking about, Hayward, somebody actually was tweeting about this the other day, and I was surprised at just how much his stats this year. Obviously, the per game doesn't compare to what he did in Utah as the 1A guy, but when you extrapolate his stats and impact per 36, he's almost identical to what he was doing in Utah on those winning teams. He's probably more or less the same guy, just with probably, let's say, three-fourths of the athleticism. But extrapolate it again. As what I would do is extrapolate it again from that heat game forward. If you if you look at what he started, it was around that time. I'm with you, but I'm I'm saying it got even better. If you look oh, at yeah. it from around that that time of that heat game, it was like when he was just starting to feel his way back into shape. And remember, nobody look. Brad Stevens coached him in college. If anybody's going to understand him, understand how to get him back to full health, understand what he's capable of, it's going to be that guy. The only question I've had was, can you play the three wings together consistently? still rebound enough when you're playing a 5'11 point guard and um, we've seen that answered so far this year that the answer is yes because the answer is they're, yes they're one of the two best two-way teams they, they are and a lot of that but is is it was Tatum's, was Tatum's step yeah no it, it would be I mean I just I, look like I said I, I think the Heat's advantage over them is just sheer numbers it's just uh, Miami has more sheer not like I, I don't I still don't love a lot of parts of Boston's bench I, I know people are going to sell me on Marcus Smart and, and how important he is to them. Uh, but I still think that Marcus Smart becomes a liability at the end of some of these playoff games because I just don't think he's someone you have to guard. Um, and, but, and you look at the rest of their bench, I still think they're, a, you know, even with Grant Williams, even with Tice, I still think they're a big short. So I do think they have some limitations. But I also think that they're the kind of team, we've talked about teams that in the bubble will thrive, you know, this kind of college atmosphere. Well, they've got a young but kind of smart group, you know. I think Danny's done a good job this time of bringing in bright guys. They don't have poison in that locker room anymore like they did with Kyrie. I, I, I just, <laughs> they are really dangerous. I mean, I, I just think, you know, I, I, had, I am of the mind that Milwaukee is coming back to the pack. I just think that there's a lot of variables have been thrown, variables have been thrown into this that are going to make them closer to the teams that are behind them instead of further away. And then I look at Boston, Toronto, Miami in particular, all have are dangerous in their own ways. Um, 
but I think Boston's particularly dangerous to the Heat. I, I, I still, the more I look at it, the less I like it. I just, I just, I don't like the matchup for them. Could not have said it better myself. Let's stay on that side of the bracket where we get Milwaukee. I know we talked a lot about them on Floor is Yours, and let's hope that we talk a lot more about them because that's a better matchup in my eyes. I think I might be the only one who still, and and yes, I think the Celtics, like for all the reasons we've been talking about, are a tougher matchup just individually for the Heat and collectively. But I would still probably rather bet on the Heat. If you're talking about the Heat winning, I would probably feel more comfortable betting on the Heat eliminating the Celtics than the Bucs. I'm I'm afraid of the Bucs. I was actually watching some Bucs-Raptors stuff from last uh, year when they came back from down 0-2 versus the Bucs. And I just think the Raptors are so were so exceptional defensively as a collective, and the Heat just don't have that talent. I think that's kind of the tiebreaker. Where I think the Heat can really push them, but the Heat don't have the def, you know just the elite defensive talent from you know one through nine that the Bucks had to create that that build the wall defense. Well, and they and, and they don't have Giannis, who, who as we talk right. about awards, he's probably he should or get Kawhi. MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. And yeah. um, you know, you've mentioned the Clippers a couple times throughout this, and, and I want to say that uh, the more that I look over the rosters and who's coming back in the mix of players, I think that that Kawhi is another guy that when it's just about basketball can yeah. really flourish in this environment. So, and the more that I'm sitting with this, I kept going into it saying. It's the Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers. I'm starting to lean in the Clippers direction a little bit the more that I sit with it. I, I, I think it's the Clippers. I, I said Clippers before the season, but I feel that way stronger now. I do think that, you know, I don't think the Rondo loss is a big loss and supposedly he'll be back for the playoffs. But I, I, they I upgraded they, the position, Ethan. What do you mean? Deion they and JR. Upgra- mm, the, upgrades, the, baby. The Avery Bradley loss to me, I, I thought he was important um, as another like pro that they need in addition to Danny green, they just don't have a lot of pros on that roster. And I, I, I think that some of these guys are going to drive LeBron insane in this <laughs> environment. I, I, I don't know. I'm not. You think Dwight's drive, been driving him insane I lately mean, with Dwight's all this? Dwight's already starting. He's, he's already he's an anti-vaxxer. I mean, he's, it's, he's it's, an anti-vaxxer. He's anti-social distancing, which he said on like in his own IG live. I mean, well, Ethan, did you hear the breaking news that Dion waiters and Jarrah Smith potentially don't like each other? Well, is that newsflash? No, 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 no. That was Dion and Kyrie, but oh. they, but but they, but but they tried to start the Dion Jr. thing about them being traded for each other, and Jr. told the reporters to shut the hell up. Um, it, I mean, it's going to be an interesting. No, Dion dynamic. told the reporters that, didn't he? No, I both of them did. I think. I mean, they just <laughs> it, it, it. It's a little bit too much of a circus. I mean, I think the Clippers. I, I just think Kawhi in this environment. I agree with you. I think it is about all about what he is just like it is for Jimmy. I guess the other thing I will say though, about a Celtic series with the heat, Jimmy will need to be great because yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking three elite wings on one side and one on the other. He, he has to be, he has to make them work. I mean, he has to be pressing the issue on offense and, and forcing it's probably going to be Jalen guarding him most of the time. And that's the other thing. Forcing Jalen Brown, Brown to work. Who can both? Who they can both throw at Jimmy? They're both bigger and longer than well, Jimmy. And the other guys, Bam. Like that, you would need Bam to absolutely dominate, no matter who's guarding him. Like that's going to be a series where you want him to be um, 
you know, exceptionally aggressive. And then Kendrick Nunn, you know, like taking the challenge with a Kemba Walker. I know that Mm -hmm. that's a tall task, but like that would be the kind of matchup you'd want to see how he responds in that environment. And um, don't sleep on, on DJJ getting some minutes on Kemba too. I think that's something they would explore. They they learned their lesson there. They would put length on Kemba. Like game three, they would have DJJ starting (laughs) Well, they'll 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 put length on Kemba. They would run a number of different guys at Kemba. Uh, they they got great respect for Kemba. All right, we covered a lot tonight. Um, check out FiveReasonSports.com. Like I mentioned, we've got one day left. By the time you listen to this, we've got half a day left on our on the on the uh, the big discounts. We're still gonna have the shirts up there, but if you want them for fourteen bucks, the bubble shirt, um, the king of the bubble shirt, the Jimmy Butler dribbling and. That 5 a.m. shirt, we got one of those up there. If you want to get them for 14 bucks, you got to do it by the end of the day, Monday. All right, so by the time this airs, our next episode, as long as there's no snags, if he takes a three-second break from Twitter, um, where I feel like he's stealing all of my takes, um, we're going to have Stan Van Gundy on with us uh, on, uh, on Monday. And I'm working on another big, 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 big former Heat guest. Uh, coming up in the next week, which I'm not even telling these guys about. So we'll see if that actually plays out. All right. What? (laughs) Have a good night. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.